0: This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast.
1: It is Friday. It is about 7:10, and we, every Friday at this time, for a couple hours, as I said a moment ago, reassemble what we like to call the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. And tonight we have a veteran in Scott Urquhart of Irked Freelance, formerly of CHCH, who we're always thrilled to have back. Scott,
0: thanks for coming in. Yeah, always fun to be here. Thanks, Scott.
1: And next to him, a guy who you know who this guy is because he's worked in this city, he's from this city Uh, until very recently. He was the assistant head coach and associate general manager, or is it backwards? Other way, associate backwards. head coach and assistant general manager of the Hamilton Bulldogs, until he resigned to go off, and he's got a new business going on, which I will let him explain because he explained it to me earlier, and I still don't really understand, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Troy Smith. Troy, thanks for coming in.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Happy to uh, be
1: here. We wanted I mean, we've wanted to have you for a long time, but the unfortunate part is when you're working for the Bulldogs every single Friday, except I think except for tonight, I yeah, think this might be the first Friday they haven't had a game, of course. And now you don't work for them; you're here, and it could have been the night you could have been here anyway. So
2: yeah, it's it's first time in a long time that I've had Fridays. That I don't really know what to do with myself. So. Well, h- hence oh. this. Yeah,
1: there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff tonight. Some uh, somewhat serious, some less so. Some sports, some a lot not sports. Well, let's start with this one because this is a um, a story that came out today in the city or yesterday, I guess, in the city. A year and a half ago, I guess it was, the city decided with the management group of Global Spectrum, which now has a new name, which I can't remember, a much longer name, that they were going to allow the management group to look after the facilities of this city as they wish to make them run properly and make them profitable. And one of the parts of that was they sold the naming rights of COPS Coliseum to become First Ontario Centre. Let's bring in, I think it was a $3.5 million... Overall fee, and that's, that's good. And well, now this week they've announced that the Hamilton Place Theater is no longer Hamilton Place Theater, it's going to be the First Ontario Concert Hall. So, leaving aside whether First Ontario, where they get all their money from, because clearly they got a lot of money from somewhere to <laughs> name all these places, and good for them for succeeding. But are we happy with facilities in this city that have, because don't forget the, it was Cops Coliseum named after the Cops family. And it was the Ron Joyce Theater, Hamilton Place Theater. Are we happy with this move? Are we happy with the corporatization of our buildings, or do we wish that they still had kept the names of the people for whom I guess they had some meaning? Uh,
2: I, I don't think you really have any choice. It's it's tough, you know. When you when you look at First Ontario, the arena. Um, I think that might be where there's some confusion figuring it out, because now you say First Ontario, you think the rink, but the theater as well. You still see the Victor K. Cops, which is important, but at the end of the day, it's all about revenues. You need to support these facilities. The arena itself is obviously very expensive to maintain, and if it's the same for Hamilton Place, I'm all for it if it allows us to maintain those venues and keep them operating.
0: Uh, yeah, I defer to Troy's expertise in that area. But I, I got to say, I don't think anybody really cares at this point. I mean, when, when naming rights were first, uh, you know, entered the sports lexicon, I don't know how many years ago that was or what the first example was, but people were really, how stupid is that? You know, like, it was hard to accept. Now, I think in Hamilton here, I, I, I still run into people who call First Ontario uh, Centre Cops Coliseum, it's always going to be Cops Coliseum. (laughs) And I think that's going to be the same with Hamilton Place. Most of the people who live here are always going to call it Hamilton Place, no matter what the name is on the other side, because you know that name can change next year, five years from now, two years from now, whatever. So uh, to the people who live here, I don't think it's going to make a big difference.
1: I think the answer, by the way, to your question about when it started to be named, (laughs) I think the first place that was ever named after a company, I could be wrong, might be Wrigley Field which is mm. way, way, way back. But, I mean, that was after the Wrigley Gum Company, yeah. the family that owned that. And so, but, I mean, it's certainly become much more much more commonplace now. But the thing is with the theater, it was the Ron Joyce Center for the Performing Arts, I think was the official name, but that was based on a donation by the Ron Joyce Foundation. So I don't have a problem so much. They were, were going to be pulling their money out of there to direct it elsewhere. But the Cops Coliseum one has always bothered me a little bit because I understand, Troy, exactly what you said. It's a financial thing. We have to do this. But that was a facility named after someone. And it always has bothered me that it was a name that was then taken away. I know it's still up on the wall, but it's not really. It's the first Ontario center now. Yeah, which, you know. Seems kind of cheesy. I mean, I know, again, it's money. I get it. But it seems kind of cheesy to honor someone and then say, oh, but not really. Yeah, I, I guess
2: what I would say to that is it shows you how dated the facility is, yeah. I guess, right? Where, you know, that's something that's probably going to have to be addressed in the future. But, yeah, it, it's not in great taste that, you know, it's, it's taken away from, from Victor Copps' name. However, it, it's just it's a sign of the times. It's unfortunate, but you have to make tough decisions to make it a financially viable uh, venture and at the end of the day it's it's always gonna come down to dollars and cents and with the investment the first Ontario put in you know and, and they're a Hamilton bank they're they're a good community bank so hey good for them for getting behind uh, yeah Hamilton, and you're
1: right man. these things cost money to keep up. I, I mean I, I absolutely hundred percent get why we do it and it makes all the sense in the world that we do it. It just makes me kind of queasy and I, and I wonder and not all of them make me queasy I say just the ones that have been named after someone and then we say but not really. But Scott, how far do we go with this? I mean, would you would you be okay if the Hamilton School Board was to say, you know what, we got to pay some we got to pay some bills here, so the uh, Ray Lewis School, named after Rapid Ray Lewis, great Hamilton athlete, Olympian, uh, African American hero, great gentleman, yeah. wonderful gentleman. Would you be okay if they said, yeah, okay, we got to start naming, so it's going to be the Pepsi Cola. Ray Lewis School now, or the Pepsi-Cola Elementary School, would you be okay? How far do we go with this whole idea?
0: Well, I think it's a little more difficult in the case of school boards because they're publicly funded. But other than that, I don't think there is a limit. I, I mean, NHL traditionalists, and, and I'm one of them, uh, don't want to see logos for companies on their uh, jerseys, like as we see in professional soccer. It's going to happen. Uh, it's just a sheer the force of the of the money the the wave of money is going to force that to happen somewhere along the line. and as soon as we you know turn to that, how can we raise more revenue as soon as we turn to that sort of thinking, uh, there's pretty well no way to stop these kinds of transactions from happening
1: but that's the that's the interesting thing though is where does it stop troy I mean if again if if I want to name a school and I come to the city and I say, Hey, you know what, I'll pay you ten million dollars if we can have Three schools. I'm the Pepsi Cola Company, whatever. I'm the Coca Cola Company. I want to name after my beverages. Mm-hmm. If it's it's ten million bucks, Was, you think someone's going to say no to that?
2: Well, I, I think, no, because it's, again, it's, it's dollars and cents, right? I, I don't think it ever gets that far. There's still got to be value in it, and when you look at sports venues or the theater like Hamilton Place, there's value in that because every time you walk in the doors, you see First Ontario Credit Union, and, and it becomes ingrained in your head. People will pay for that. I'm not sure how much further it could go, like where there would be a market for that.
1: Oh, I can, I can tell you examples. If, again, let's use the example of Coke or Molson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm Molson Canadian, I'm Labatt's whoever, and I say I would like Main Street in Hamilton. I'll pay you thirty million dollars for a twenty year deal that Main Street is now going to be called Molson Way from one end of the city to the other. Do you think the city for thirty million bucks or twenty million bucks says no, we're not gonna entertain I think they would think about I think they would think about it
0: well, the thing about thinking about it is one thing, but again, we're talking about publicly owned infrastructure publicly owned. Uh, areas. And that's a little more difficult to rename on a private basis than a center like COPS Coliseum. I understand.
1: But we're also a city that is desperately facing a desperate infrastructure deficit. And so if you said, well, that 30 million bucks, and I'm just throwing out a number. The political backlash would be
0: too strong. But on the flip
1: side, you say, but that 30 million bucks could pave huge parts of the street that are in terrible disrepair. We could fix the piping in there. This is going to cover costs that we couldn't possibly otherwise do. You can make an argument. Well, the kind of shape that the uh, wind government is in right now, maybe it could. Maybe, <laughs> you know, who knows? I don't know. I I, I look right now and I think I would, I'm not positive that there is anything that would truly be off the table yeah, if the money was right.
2: I think you go back to the point about, I don't think people really care that much what something is named. You know, I'm sure some people do, but if it's going to save me $500 on my tax bill and you know, some brewery wants to pay to have King street renamed in their brand, I'm all for it. I, I really don't care because at the end of the day, as long as that road's paved and it's not costing me more, you know, that's, that's at the end of the day with rising costs, not at the same rate as inflation. Right. Um, you know, you got to find ways. you got to find unique ways to, to make money.
1: Would there be anything that you, do you think, truly, it may be distasteful, and Scott, I agree with you, I yeah. think that it would be difficult to do some of these things, but would there be anything that you believe would be truly off the table that a city, if the money was right, would not consider? That the city of Hamilton would say, absolutely not, we will not entertain that at all.
0: No, I can't think of a thing. No, really. I mean, if, if it comes, push comes to shove, and they're they're putting that kind of money on the table, yeah, they're going to entertain it, whether it actually happens or not. That's another story. You
1: the, think there's anything they wouldn't entertain? The only
0: thing
2: I couldn't see them entertaining is it's something to do with elections or right? cemeteries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: so, so um, that would, maybe not. Well, that would but, that would be really yeah. bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Walking Dead two cemetery <laughs> in theater soon. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I, I mean. I, Cemeteries, maybe. I would think hospitals, maybe. Although I don't know why I put a hospital in a special category. I don't even know why I'm putting it in that category. It just sort of seems it would be kind of gross.
0: Well, are there not uh, some medical facilities already named uh, uh, by commercial interests? Um, I I believe Bayer has a couple of... uh, uh, you know research and and hospital yeah. facilities mm-hmm. named after them and or, or at least attached to the name of the hospital
1: and that see some and that you're right and that doesn't sound as bad because it's at least a medical thing
0: right the johnson mm-hmm. and johnson hospital you know
2: in the, in the u.s there is there's yeah have, I, I lived in detroit and you had the henry ford hospital network now mm-hmm. different yep. different market but I, again even when you talk about bear i don't I, I don't see it. if they're going to bring jobs to the city. Why wouldn't you allow them to put their name up there and realize that these are people that are investing not only in, you know, great medical research, but also, you know, the city and the economy.
1: Is this something the city should be rather than waiting for people to come? Is this something that the city should be really pursuing, though? As much as, again, as much as everybody gets their, their back up when we start to rename buildings, and they go, oh, you can't do that. And, and I mean, I said all the same things at the beginning of this. Is this something the city should be actually hiring someone or designating someone to begin going after and say, listen, you want to buy something in the city? We're for sale. Come on in, we are, we are so far in debt, we need so much money, here's the city of Hamilton. Find something you like, we'll name it after you. Just give us money. We do it with private, we do it with philanthropists.
2: Yeah, some somebody should do it with the falls, with all the different falls, with the way they're in the news, with people (laughs) getting injured. You know, you talk about medical. you go Johnson and Johnson, Flint Falls, (laughs) the
0: Wayjacks Lift Falls. I (laughs) don't know, but I think people in this city, particularly, they're so proprietary about this city and what it means to them and the heritage. That's
1: always the part. That's what. That's where
0: this started. That's that's the hard part because I, I think trying to convince a good portion of the city that this is. No big deal. Um, they feel like you are taking something away from their city. You you are damaging their city and and its heritage and its uh, you know feel for them and that oh, that can be pretty difficult politically. hundred
1: percent. If if I mean we've mentioned a number of things that you could rename, but it could I mean could you imagine the political blowback that you described if you and Troy you say falls if we all of a sudden had a motion at council to say we want to rename. Webster's Falls, something corporate, Mm -hmm. people would go bananas. They would. They would go bananas. Mm -hmm. And there would be huge blowback to that. And I don't know why we're more protective of that than of other things. But I think that would be far more of a reaction than some other building or some place.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. The natural areas are are perhaps um, the most difficult of all. But a building in the city, Uh, maybe not so much, you know. But when you talk about
2: the natural, if you could get somebody, a company, to donate money and the majority of that money doesn't go back to whatever else, it actually goes into the either restoration or the continued upkeep of that, you, you got to consider it.
1: The Toyota Motor Company's Niagara Escarpment. Yeah, <laughs> or, why not? The Niagara Escarpment brought to you by Toyota yeah, that yeah. is on everything. Yeah. Well, it's... um. It's an interesting one. I again, I'm I'm kind of surprised we haven't actually seen more of this. I really mm-hmm. am. I, I'm I'm surprised that when this stuff comes out, that I mean, maybe there's other ones. I, I, there is the Cops Coliseum, First Ontario mm-hmm. Center. Now mm-hmm. there's the Hamilton Place slash First Ontario Theater. I don't. Are, are there other ones? I can't even think. I mean, I'm sure there are. I know there must be within the city? the city. Within the city, there must be other ones, other buildings. Other. But I'm just surprised there's there hasn't been more of it. If there's money to be had, I just don't know why we haven't heard whether you agree or disagree I'm just surprised we haven't heard more efforts to try and find that money
2: yeah, it, and it is an interesting suggestion that you make that you have somebody that actively goes out and tries to sell the properties because th- there is value somewhere in it it's just how far can you get it to go
0: yeah the entrepreneurs as you pointed out um, they like to have that value. They like to have something that people recognize, mm-hmm. and they may not recognize just any building in the city. You know, the the Colosseum and the theater are, are two very high profile buildings well, in the yeah. city.
1: But I mean, you want a perfect example of this? We got to go to a break. Uh, last year, if you were ever listening to a Blue Jay game, and everybody was following the Blue Jays, everyone was either watching on TV or occasionally listening on the radio. There was a sponsor for the call to the bullpen. There was a sponsor for a walk. There was a sponsor for a double play. I mean, didn't matter what happened. They had people advertising. People say, "You want to spot? We'll find it. We'll find something for you. We will find." They had they had sponsor uh, names on the foul poles. Where's where's the Luke? You probably know this. You're the baseball guy. What what baseball stadium is it that actually has a chicken? Advertisement on the foul poles, and they call it FLWL poles, and it's like it's a, but it's a it's yeah. a an, an ad that they've built into the to the park, and so there is nothing that is off limits. Mm-hmm. There is literally nothing well, other you, than the uniforms and the equipment, and it's, even those are in question.
2: Yeah, and, and you see it in, in hockey now The the Leafs change their boards yes. almost every time out, and even on the TV now you'll see the the graphic put into the boards to help promote different products. Well, behind, home, behind
1: home plate it's at Roger Center is that yeah. green screen and it's changing all the time so they can put things up. It's Houston, by the way, Luke tells me that they have. Yeah, it's the foul poles, which is very clever. But that's yeah. what you get if you have someone who's actually working to do this. We will find anything. If you want to spend the money, we will find a way to, part, to separate you from your money. And I'm just very surprised we haven't done more of that around here. Maybe we will. Maybe, yeah. maybe the city begins to enjoy... The fruits of having people throw millions of dollars at them for something that really doesn't cost them anything just okay you want a name good mm-hmm. yeah I'm kind of holding my breath
0: on that or not holding my breath as <laughs> the case but you're listening to the Scott Radley show
1: weeknights from 7 to 9
0: on am 900 CHML
1: Troy Smith as I say and Scott Urquhart guys this week uh, another City Council story which was uh, kind of caught me completely off guard. I didn't know why this came up, and I didn't quite know what to make of this. Councillor Aidan Johnson, Ward 1, Ward 1, Ward 2, Ward 1. Uh, Let me put your microphone on, that would help. Uh, Ward 1 proposed a study to see whether we should be banning bottled water from any kind of municipal facility. And the idea behind it is twofold. One is that it would be better for the environment not to have bottles. And two, that if we don't have people carrying around bottled water, they'll take tap water, and it'll be encouraging to us to have to keep our water quality up and to have you know great water quality in the city of Hamilton. But is this a good idea?
0: Yeah, it's a great idea. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it wouldn't be the we wouldn't be the first city by far. No, Toronto's uh, done it. Yeah, Wealth I, has done it. There a few are few others. Yeah, worldwide. Yeah, um, uh, Australia as a nation has banned water bottles um, and yeah it's a great idea but one of the things that could be really uh, helpful here at home is as you know our water bills are based on consumption and because people haven't been consuming as much water over the last 5-10 years because of the cost the cost has actually gone up because it's more expensive to provide this water, this is the Kathleen
1: Wynne energy thing <laughs> that you do again with water. Now, yeah, it's more if expensive use to provide energy. water. Yeah, if
0: if we used more
1: water, it would be cheaper for us. Well, that's so, what they tell us. Yeah. Till we use it, and they go, "Oh, you use too much water. We're going to charge you more."
2: <laughs> only but use yeah. it at peak, t- or sorry, yeah, like non-peak times. Yeah, yeah,
1: only drink at peak t- non-peak times. Drink only after nine at night. The yeah. rest of the day, just stay dry. <laughs> yeah. It's it, okay. Uh, I get the I get the concept behind it, Scott. I get what you're saying but i still think it's a ridiculous idea and i'll tell you i mean i understand the the environment thing i understand the drinking but if you go to a bulldogs game if you go to a Ticat game if you go to a, a an arena and you want to have something then you're going to have to
0: buy pop which is a whole no, other no, problem. No, no. or beer no, it depends on how you set it or... up scott if you if you set it up that there are water stations everywhere that you can refill your bottle which is common and uh, as i say in, in australia uh, if you go into any restaurant any public facility like that and ask them to fill your water bottle, they must comply. They will fill your water bottle. What so about at places like
1: mm-hmm. Hamilton? Well, not Hamilton Place anymore. We just talked about it. First Ontario right. Concert Hall or Tim Hortons Field or First Ontario Centre. They don't let you bring your own bottle
0: in. No, they want to sell you beer. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, if, if it's set up properly, there will be water stations and You'll be allowed to to use those water bottles rather than putting billions and billions and billions of plastic water bottles in the trash every year have they been my question i understand the concept and it makes total
2: sense the the question i have is have they been able to execute that like if i'm the chances of me carrying around a bottle everywhere i go is i'm gonna lose it i'm gonna lose one a day at least it's probably still less waste than the you know four or five bottles that I alone drink which I know isn't great for the environment but how do you get that ex- like do you have to provide then more environmentally friendly cups and stuff at the at the water like that's that's for me it's just I'd love to see the plan of how you execute it i think it's habit
0: i mean you're into the habit of going and buying a bottle of water and carrying it around with you mm-hmm. but if if you didn't have that option and you still wanted the water you'd get into the habit of having your water bottle with you. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. What do, does this only plain old water?
1: I mean, Troy right now is drinking a Perrier across the table. Right. I mean, Troy's kind of she-she that way. But that's <laughs> but no, I've mean, been away from it, Hamilton too long. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, do that does that fall it's water? Does that fall into the same thing? Is it all kinds of water? Because again, th- these are these are I mean, I know these are more specific things to it, but the last thing I want to do if I'm a parent and again, I take my kid to a tie-cat game. And I have forgotten my bottle of water at home or his or her bottle of water and say, oh, I got to buy you now a 48 ounce thing of pop. Like, Mm. I don't want them sitting there just guzzling pure sugar the whole time or whatever else. And I, you know, it's a hot day. I want you to drink a water. And now we can't do it. Mm. There's parts that make sense, as you say, but there's a lot of parts that I say, come on, we still want our choice.
0: It's adjusting to to a lifestyle. That's all. Uh, And I think anybody can really do that. I don't think it'd be that hard. Um, to remember when you're you're going to the game oh yeah i don't want to drink 48 ounces of sugar where's your water bottle i mean i think it's just a matter of time you're throwing up what i think are artificial barriers to the idea just because it's inconvenient for you do you know
1: if those other places that have this that you talk about if i go to a counter of a concession stand
2: Mm -hmm.
1: can i buy a cup that they will then fill with water for me
0: i don't think you even have to buy the cup if you bring your own
1: no, but I'm saying if yeah. you forget, and I say, I don't want to buy a pop, can I buy a cup for a dollar, even though it's probably worth about a cent, but can I buy a cup for a dollar that you will then fill with water for? There me? are some places that'll do that.
0: Yeah, there are some. The,
2: the other question I would have, and again, I'm not trying to say it's not a good idea, but from a, a health standpoint, we all remember those old fountains they used to have yeah. and the baseball diamonds that spit it I loved it as a kid, but... I believe they got rid of it because of health reasons. By the shorty greens, the old shorty greens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those things. They're, yeah, they were the best actually, water I ever tasted. It's like drinking out of a hose. Yeah, but. they <laughs> were actually the most.
0: They were actually the most sanitary form of, of drinking fountain because there was a continuous rush of water. It was continually being flushed, and and renewed. So why did they get rid of them? That's the uh, expense. I, I, they didn't. They couldn't keep up the expense of maintaining them anymore. Wow. But
1: I do. I remember. I mean, we all remember drinking out of the hose that you'd be oh, playing yeah, as yeah, a kid yeah. and you turn on the hose and then later you would find out, oh, you just drank 72 different causes of cancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, they, that there's stuff in those
0: hoses that is... Uh, I don't know, is the plastic any different now than it was then? I, I don't know.
1: I, 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 you know, I still... Have, last um, summer I drank out of the hose. I, yeah. Again, I'm. I, that's probably not healthy anymore. I don't know what happened, but...
0: It has that satisfying hosey taste. It, it <laughs> does. In, you know what, in the, <laughs> the summertime? <laughs> yeah. In the summertime,
1: <laughs> when you're out there and you're doing stuff and you have cold water coming through a garden hose nothing worse, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that. We are going to take a break mostly because I'm actually now completely parched from talking about water. (laughs) Uh, We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to chat about the idea of hockey in the Olympics. Troy is a hockey guy. Should we be sending NHL players to the Olympics or do we say, you know what? No, that that's been done. It's a long way away. It's in bad times. No one will be watching the games. Let's send over some kids or some minor leaguers and, Wait till it's back in our time zone. We'll talk about that when we come back. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML.
1: Scott Urquhart and Troy Smith are the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio this evening. And Troy, I'll go to you first on this one because you are the hockey guy. We've been hearing endless chatter now for months about whether the NHL will go to Pyeongchang in South Korea for the Olympics. And then after that, who knows? It's uh, Tokyo. Is it Tokyo the next? Time? No, Tokyo's the Summer Olympics. It's China, yeah. Beijing for the one after. What do you think? I mean, is this a is this a complete waste of time? Have we as the Olympic hockey NHL thing run its course? Have we seen the best of it and? It's okay to take a break, or do we need to have the NHL in these Olympics? Uh, I, I'd still like to see
2: the NHL in the Olympics. It's it, it's the Olympics. You know, for me, I'd rather get rid of the World Cup. Now, you're going to get the argument that because dollars and cents, again, everything comes back to it, you know, they need the World Cup to create the revenues, and they get zero out of the Olympics, and, and I understand their side, because they are taking a lot of risk with, you know, multi-million dollar players and slowing down their schedule, but I don't think that you can tangibly value what the Olympics does for the sport in the sense of, you know, bringing people together to rally around their nation. No different than what we're going to watch in a month here with the World Juniors. It's a great opportunity to grow the game in different ways than just the bottom
1: line. Do you think it does? I mean, I think it absolutely did in a place like, you know, when we were in Vancouver, Mm -hmm. um, in Salt Lake City, when we were watching on essentially the same... Schedule, But if you've got games that are being played at, they'll probably be 4 o'clock in the morning our time, or 5 in the morning, will that really help in any
2: way? I, I think people, for the big games, they'll get up for it. At the end of the day, if you're going to commit to something, you got to do it every time it comes up. You can't just pick and choose when it's in North America or a friendly time zone that that's when you're going to do it. you're going to do it, do it. If not, allow the amateurs to get back in, get guys... You know um, that you don't know that become household names over those two weeks. Maybe. And, and, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Maybe. But <laughs> because
1: I don't know who's getting up at four in the morning to watch Joe Anonymous play. There will be some. No, there will be some.
2: But but I'm saying so. The next time it's in North America, now Joe Joe Schmoe, you know, gets the 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 limelight. But you can't pick and choose. So you're
0: either in or you're out. I don't know. I, I guess like you say it's how much does it grow the sport did did it encourage kids like leon dry when he was young uh seeing olympic players thinking that's a really cool sport yeah we don't, guys we don't are know not what in is north the america yep. yeah uh, there's a there's a french player in the nhl now too as well france is not known as a hot bed of hockey you know that sort of thing but is it because of the nhl being in the olympics and as you know, Tory says, I, I get the argument from the NHL's point of view, they shut down the league for two weeks, they spend an enormous amount on transportation and logistics and insurance, they risk their players, and they get nothing monetary out of it. And in a, in a lot of cases, they've just been asking the, uh, the Olympics, the IOC, to, to handle the cost rather than anything else. <coughs> that seems fair.
1: Excuse me. Well, the one—I the, mean—the one question I've always had about is clearly, I think the Olympics over there this time for us are not ideal. But if you were to have Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Mike or Magic Johnson or someone walk down the street of a street in South Korea, chances are he'd be recognized. One of those guys would be. But if Sidney Crosby walked down the street, very little chance in my mind. And I'm wondering if this kind of thing, when you're talking about glo- growing the global brand, so that you can have advertisements you can start to move hockey into those places if that's the value you're looking for from this that we're not even worried so much about North America this is about growing the global game
2: yeah it'd be a great question we actually should have invited Ryan Kubera who played in the 98 Olympics in Nagano about it For Japan yeah for Japan and when I think about it, I've got a lot of friends that have went over and taught and in Asia, you know, do the, the English teaching thing to, to make a quick buck, really. And uh, the hockey over there is growing from what they've told me. It's, it's a big sport, and this is another chance to take it to another level. I, I, I just think they really owe it to the fans. You know, it's, it's, sometimes it's not about the, the dollars and cents. Sometimes it's just about doing what's right. And who goes?
1: Who goes if it's not the NHL players? Who who has it been tradition like who was on team Canada I can't even remember now
2: Well Sean Burke I believe was in it back in the in so the 80s Yeah uh, no it's amateur so it'd be guys that aren't going to get called up but are probably 20 21 years old Fabian Joseph you remember that name um, I'm trying to think of who else Corey Hirsch I believe was oh, in right. there at some point. Like there's still some uh, some pretty good names. I think Todd Warner
1: was Corey Hirsch was Corey Hirsch in the Peter Forsberg goal was that the Olympics?
2: Yeah, he's the postage stamp. But that was an uh, Olympic, yeah. I was believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, there's the thing. You remember that, and even when you think back to. The first time the NHL was in the Olympics, which I believe was '98, I think we all remember that Mark Crawford was raked over the coals because he didn't put Wayne Gretzky in the shootout. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we weren't paying attention because it was at four in the morning. We're still paying attention. We still care. It's yeah, just that's a good it's, point. No, but are we that, the
0: only nation that really, really does?
2: Uh, but you would still, again, you have to create events to create excitement. Mm-hmm. And if you create that event where you got a Canada, U.S., or you know a- another country, then hey, maybe it happens. Or maybe you do get further to your point. You know, Germany's got some good players now. Like they mm-hmm. got Kunacle they got Niederreiter, they got Reeder, they got Dry um, mm. Drysittel, the guy that you'd uh, that you'd brought up. You never know what could happen. I, I just think it's, it's too important of a, uh, of a venue to pass up to not send the best players.
1: How much of this do you think, Scott, we know that in sports everything is based on the U.S. Mm-hmm. We, we like to think we're really important in the grand scheme of things. but <laughs> We're not, no. If, if the NBC, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's NBC that has the rights to those Olympics. If NBC said, I tell you what, we will show every hockey game or we will show at least every U.S. hockey game live in its entirety on the main network. Do you think that would change people's minds in no. the NHL?
0: I doubt it. I doubt it very much. Um, and I, I'm not sure NBC would be willing to do that anyway. I'm not saying they would. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying
1: if they would, if it's that kind of exposure, if they, if that kind of... If you're trying to get the American fan, because that's ultimately... I really believe that's entirely what this... <laughs> they don't care. They know the Canadians are going to watch it. Oh, yeah. It's about getting the American eyeballs, and if they could believe that we will, that the American network will stop everything to show every hockey game,
0: I wonder. I don't think so, Scott. And I'll, I'll tell you why. I don't think, even though the fact that the majority of the NHL teams are in American cities, hockey is still not uh, a big sport in the United States. Even after what thirty years of, of expansion into the United States, it's still far behind. The other major sports, basketball, football, baseball, still far behind that. Far behind even uh, NASCAR racing, for that matter, in, in the United States. College football, they're behind college football. So if even if you put the games on at, at live, you know, live and uh, regular times, I, I can't see Americans hauling themselves out of bed to see a, a game, the uh, U.S. versus what? You know, but Slovakia, I don't know.
2: The argument I would make... Against that, you're right. It's not even close to being as big. However, it is big in pockets. Like, it's interesting how it's really big in Michigan, Massachusetts, all the traditional places. It's not big in Florida, not big in Arizona. However, it's huge in California because they had Wayne Gretzky. And it's a shame almost that, you know, Matthews ends up in Toronto who doesn't need the the fan support. I'm just talking strictly from that perspective. And he doesn't end up in a non-traditional market or, you know, even Laine ends up in Winnipeg, which is great for them. But... How good would he be in a non-traditional market where he could attract more people? But, you know, Sidney Crosby being in Pittsburgh saves that franchise. But imagine what he could have done to the global game. And that's why, you know, even PK, it's good for PK to be in Nashville. Your non-traditional markets where maybe he can grow the game and inspire some other kids to play. That's what they need.
1: The... The other explanation or the other possibility that's been thrown out, we got to go to a break here, has been to make the Olympics into the World Junior Tournament that year. The problem with that is we still are the only country that gives two flips about the World Junior Tournament. I mean, even when the states hold the World Juniors, they do it as close to the Canadian border as possible Mm -hmm. so that we will stream across and go to it. So if you were to put the World Juniors as the Olympic Tournament that year, no one would care. Yeah. No, other than us, nobody would care.
2: I, I think it would just confuse, especially the American market. They would be going, who is this guy that plays? Where's Hamilton, right? Where's the yeah, Hamilton I mean, Bulldogs? What is that? You know, Where is the London Knights, whoever it may be? You know it's uh, I just think that would confuse people. Well, be... you would
1: expect that there would be an awful lot. they wouldn't even be worried about us. they'd be there'd be an awful lot of NCAA players playing for the states and they would know those schools. And, and that's the one yeah. part of it that you actually say may actually resonate because the Americans are so tied to their universities and good for them for doing mm-hmm. it. The alumni, that if you had a bunch of players in the Olympics and they were identified as university guys, maybe that maybe that has some allure. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it it might attract them. I, yeah, it'd be really interesting. I, I think the the challenge you would have there is that what does it do to the to the property of the World Juniors?
1: Oh, the, the whole thing becomes chaos, regardless. Yeah. I mean, the, mm-hmm. when the IOC decided to put the games here, I'm sure they hadn't. It was the last thing they were thinking about, but it really didn't make the hockey situation easy. But anyway, we're going to find out, and I I'm guessing that we're probably not going to have the NHL guys there unless the players association completely capitulates and gives them a whole bunch of stuff. And it doesn't strike me that Donald fear is the kind of guy who does that. So um, <laughs> anyway,
0: you're listening to the Scott Radley show weeknights from seven to nine
1: on AM 900 CHML. We have heard in recent months, recent years, the word bullying thrown out a lot about a lot of different circumstances. And, I'm trying to figure out if I can actually define the difference between bullying and criticism and disagreement. And, and I don't know that I think they've all sort of morphed into the same thing. So I don't know. I mean, I'm putting you guys right on the spot, but Scott, how, how would you describe bullying? Because as I say, I think that we've kind of lost the meaning in some senses. There, there's certainly bullying that goes on out there, but what is bullying?
0: Well, I think it can be a lot of different things, but from my own personal point of view, I think it has to be um, there has to be a power component involved in it. Okay, somebody whether it's a kid who's stronger, bigger, heavier than other kids in school, throwing his weight around, or whether it's a, a an official a manager, some play, somebody you work for who has power over you in some way, abusing that power and victimizing someone else to me that's bullying disagreeing with somebody is not bullying. does it have to be does it have to happen
1: more than once for it to be bullying what happens if if someone does something once to you even if there's an imbalance of power if someone does something once is that bullying
0: it could be but I think you're probably alluding to it has to be more than once it has to be a a pattern of behavior to really become bullying What do you
2: think, Troy? I I, I agree. I think bullying is a a leverage situation where you have power and you're using that power to leverage an opportunity or get somebody to do something. Whereas I think the gray area and where people get confused and knowing this, having dealt with today's youth at a coaching level – there's a, a big difference between bullying because there are coaches that would bully and use bullying tactics to try and get more out of their players but then there's also the matter of just telling the truth which is can be criticism sure but it's criticism to try and make you better but very easily can be swayed over to being bullying where you're not telling him properly you know well there's only one way to tell the truth that's but that's it's where
1: called the truth that's where I think that in my mind and I'm not, I'm not dismissing the idea of bullying by any stretch. I, it goes on. It exists. We all know it does. But it seems that the word to me gets thrown out there too easily and too often and is misconstrued because criticism to me is not bullying. If, if someone is critical of you, whether it's fair criticism or not fair criticism, I don't know that I count that necessarily, necessarily as bullying. And yet a lot of people would. we heard in the last election, we heard politicians saying they were being bullied by media or, you know, people... There's a lot of things that we now... Because bully is such a loaded word. Mm-hmm. If, if you bully someone at university, you're going to get suspended or expelled or in all kinds of trouble. If you bully someone at the workplace, you're going to get fired or disciplined. If you criticize someone, well, no big deal. It's like, it's like racism or sexism or whatever. It's a word that's very... I think it's very loaded now. I and think it, it carries a lot of weight.
0: It does, no doubt about it. But in terms of criticism, again... I think it's, what's the effect of that criticism? Where is it coming from? Is it coming from somebody who's um, abusing their position to criticize someone else? And the example I saw today um, was a a tweet from Donald Trump uh, against a university student who had appeared at one of his rallies and asked him, you know, Mr. Trump, can you explain your policies? Because I don't really think you're a friend to women. And Trump, you know, shouted her down, basically. But after that exchange, um, she was so harassed by online communities uh, that she actually had to leave town and lay low for a while because she was afraid that she was going to be raped or killed or beaten, that her family was in danger. Um, You know, there were horrible threats being made. And most of it was because of Trump's reaction to her. And that, in a sense, can be construed as bullying because he was in such a powerful position. His criticism of her and her views ended up in a situation where she was abused.
1: And now, and again, when I come to the question then okay, was he the bully in that case? No, no.
2: Well, I I don't know the context of what he said to her. He he might well could have been. I I think the the challenge becomes more with the challenge of social media because you can say things that are so critical, and you know it, somebody like that that's in a you know if you're a coach you expect it. But again, this this poor young lady or, or older lady, I'm not sure. You know, she makes a comment because she's a concerned citizen. Then it's those are bullies because. There's no, uh, there's no recourse for those people. You can throw out whatever you want on social media. I could leave here tonight and make up a fake Twitter account that's not associated in my name and say whatever I want about the Scott Radley show. And oh, it happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, trust me, I, I, I've had my fair share of it. <laughs> You've been the one writing them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, that's where, yeah, the, the the internet is is a dangerous tool and that is a form of bullying because. To be honest, most of them are probably idle threats where nothing's going to happen, but it's different when you're reading that and it's different when, say, it's a family member and you have to take but everyone
0: it, seriously because it only takes one. It's a, it's a situation where um, they're trying to silence criticism. Mm-hmm. They don't, you know, it's just to shut down any reasonable dialogue or criticism, and it's being done uh, from a position of power Where, you know, the guy is the the, the president-elect of the United States. Anything he sends out on a tweet, whether he likes it or not, has enormous impact.
1: I I guess the reason I wonder about the bullying thing is, and it's an interesting example you bring up, and I think it's a really good example, and Troy, you're bang on. Social media has become, I would argue, the number one tool for bullying, however we want to describe bullying, because of the anonymity, because of the fact that you can say stuff that you would... There's no... Generally not. Unless you do something really stupid, like attach your actual name to it, you're probably going to be... Even then,
0: uh, I I know of in my own family of a case where people did attach their actual names to comments, and the police were informed and involved, and their position was, doesn't matter, because we can't prove that that person was at the computer at that time using that name. It could have been anybody.
1: But so here's the question I
0: was going to get to. Can you have
1: if I say something critical to you or if I say you're wrong or if I say you're an idiot
0: which has been said many times. No, no, but <laughs> okay,
1: for to all of us. Yeah. But but if I say that to you, Scott, you're what you just said, you're an idiot for saying that. That is us having a discussion. Now, if I do this on social media and 12,000 people say the same thing, you are going to then say, and possibly correctly, I'm being bullied by the crowd. Yeah. So I'm not by myself bullying you, but the mass of humanity is now bullying you. And the problem is that's happening every day Constantly. from uh, the left to the right, from the right to the left, from it's, it is, you say something that is unpopular and you're gonna have that happen to you, but is that bullying? That's well, what I don't. That's what I'm not sure about.
2: It, it's just a new form of bullying because the former bullying would have been, say, in a high school scenario where you know there, there's a group of cool kids that pick on, you know, perhaps the yeah. not as cool kid. Whereas yeah. now. It's much bigger. It's almost become like a swarming that way. To me, that is... When there's no recourse back, yeah, that that's a form of bullying.
1: You know, Because the, the bullying to me always seemed like a one-on-one thing where you had someone who was... And, and I'm not... I, I probably shouldn't restrict it to this. It always seemed like a one-on-one thing. That, if you, that it was me, it was the big kid at school picking on the little kid and stealing his lunch money. It was never the crowd thing. And that seems to me to be the change in this whole thing when we discuss this. It's now a a mass thing as opposed to a one-on-one thing.
2: Social bullying. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you, could, you could phrase it any way you want, right? At the end of the day, I think the, the bullying from a social media perspective, because trust me, I've, I've had lots of things, lots of great things said about me. right? But uh, um, it, it's all how that person handles it. Because at the end of the day, I, I don't really care what people say about me on social media. I really don't. I, I know who I am. However, other people are affected differently. Mm. It's you know it, it, it's each person. It's it's a delicate slope. I, I wouldn't say that's your traditional bullying, but
0: you could argue that it's a form of of bullying. Definitely, I think it is. Yeah, I, I mean, having having open threats uh, fired at you constantly from every direction, and uh, in in the case of this young college student, um, she says she has no idea how it happened, but within an hour of. You know the first kind of tweets going out. People were quoting her or, or naming her address, telling her where she lived, mm-hmm. and they were coming to get her. She yeah, that's, no, that's that is. You know, now, one more
1: question, and I mean that's that's ridiculous. I mean that is that's ridiculous. One more question: What is it bullying if you do something that brings this upon yourself? So I'm not saying make a comment like that. If you do something that is outrageously ill-advised. And someone calls you on it and someone else calls you on it and someone else calls you on it and someone else calls you on it. it. Suddenly there's a mass of people. So it's not just that they disagree with your opinion, but they, but you've done something that is. Is the
0: response proportionate to the, to the deed. I mean, everybody can make a mistake. Everybody can do something stupid. um, But that backlash may be wildly out of proportion to what the actual, you know, sin, so to speak, it may be.
2: I I guess if I understand your question correctly, is if I did something. If you let's say when bullied like
1: like. let's say when you were coaching, you smacked a kid that you were coaching. All right, so so the action that you did would have been outrageous. So that when people then pile on and say, and everybody has their one particular say in social media, and suddenly you're looking and there's ten thousand tweets. Mm -hmm. Is that bullying? by their comments about your behavior.
2: I I guess it depends. Like, it's obvious that that's inappropriate, but it depends on your view. You know, if you do something that's inappropriate and further to Scott's point, you make a mistake, you might deserve it, right? But then you have the choice to stay off of social media as well and not pay attention to it.
1: It's, uh, Greg uh, tweets in, by the way, says, anything that demeans or destroys others such as bullying is never right. So sad some do this and then hashtag social media. Well, absolutely i mean it it has changed entirely to me the the whole discussion and i'll be honest with you the reason i raised this is because i don't really understand anymore what bullying is because people again they throw around the word so quickly and we do this with other words too mm-hmm. if you disagree with some, the word racism is thrown around easily the word sexism is thrown around very easily the word homophobia is thrown around very easily there are people who are all those things but we use those words as weapons sometimes now that if there's even the hint of this, you can destroy someone with those words. And bullying to me has started to fall a little bit into that category that I think if we want this word to mean something, if we want it to matter, if we want to really deal with bullying, we can't accuse everyone who is critical or says something negative or says something mean of being a bully. We can't. We can't diminish that word that easily.
0: Well, you're going into the you know case of... Um what is politically correct these days, right? And you start to get into that, which was, you know, Trump's one of Trump's main arguments is we're too politically correct. We should say what we think. And that can open a whole new Pandora's box of problems as we've seen. But yeah, I think the real problem in all of this is that civil discourse and the process of civil discourse has been so distorted and so damaged over the last twenty years, quite possibly by social media primarily, but also through other factors as well, where we've shouted down anyone who has a different opinion, um, that it's it's very easy now, as you say, to throw these terms around, uh, and they're losing, to some extent, I think, their meaning and value because they're they're tossed out so easily and in so many cases. And when
1: you do that, and this is the problem I have with it, just to wrap this up, when you do this too often, you then start to morph and blend all these words together that mean different things, but that get interspersed. So criticism, which is legitimate, it's okay to be criticized, becomes bullying in the eyes of some people you say well, if i if i don't i can't distinguish now between someone criticizing me for something i've done and you bullying me because you disagree with what i've done and the next step I've from done. that
0: is it that it's all just wallpaper blah
1: blah blah exactly right exactly right and so i, I, I the, you know throwing the word bullying around so easily it exists out there it has to, it, we we don't want to stand for it, but there is a big difference between someone criticizing you and someone bullying you they can become the same thing but they aren't Necessarily the same thing. No,
0: I agree, but I think we have to find
1: our way back as a society to be more civil to a process of civil discourse. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with that. I agree with that 100. percent Quick break here on the. Oh, sorry. Do you want? to ju- No, I was just
2: saying, that's going to be tough to do with no well, nobody to police social media. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's this is a whole you know other show. Gonna, you, Scott. Know what, you know what? I, <laughs>
1: no, but you know what I really believe is going to happen eventually. I think more and more people are going to be looking at social media saying, "I don't need it." I don't need the hassle. You're always going to have the majority of people on there. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I think more and more people are going to say, do I need to be on Twitter? Do I need to have this filling my screen every day in this kind of anger and this kind of… Taking up so much time in my uh, day. Do I need this? I think
2: they'll filter their information more where you know what they're interested in, that'll be their followers. Or sorry, that'll be the people that But that's that even follow. more dangerous
1: that's um, more in, in you're the sense into a single point of view. That's apparently. right because then you just block out that, anyone you disagree with.
2: But that depends on that person, right? If that's, you're if you're open to discourse and you're open to discussion, sure. No, but, but if I, you're going to be but I think we're going to have a lot more
1: people become much more narrow-minded and say I don't want to listen to the stuff I don't agree with and when we become that and we say I'm going to now only listen to the point of view I like. When someone gives you a different point of view, you now have no capacity to be able to deal with that, which makes it even worse. Now our anger gets even bigger Mm -hmm. and we end up with an election like we just had down in the States because everybody on the right listened to what the right wanted to hear and everyone on the left listened to what the left wanted to hear. And then you have an election and everyone's shocked out of their mind because, wait, how did this happen? I was told that Hillary was winning by 20 points. Well, maybe we weren't listening to each other. Anyway, quick break. Back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Scott Urquhart, Troy Smith. There was an athlete, and I'll tell you, I cannot remember his name right now, which one? Which athlete it was. It was an Olympic athlete in the last week or so who put forward the proposal. You know what? Um, Yeah, we're coming up to an Olympics in the next little while. We're between Olympics. We had one last year, but Canada should be doing more to fund our athletes, that we have the Own the Podium program. And we're talking about amateur athletes, by the way. We we have the Own the Podium program, but that's really for our elite athletes who are likely to win a medal. We want to put more money towards them. But overall, if you're an elite-ish amateur athlete in this country, you're not making much money, and it's really, really hard to get by and to keep going. And Troy, I wonder we have a lot of things in this country we have to spend money on, we have a lot of things that need to be done do we need to put more money into when you look at the balance of what athletes do, when they perform well and when they succeed and how it makes us feel and how the emotions that we have as a country, that's the one side and then there's the other side of yeah but we have roads and bridges and
2: free healthcare
1: should we be spending more money on amateur athletes do we spend enough or where do we fall on this
2: Uh, to be honest I I don't know enough about the situation to, to really comment but I bet you if you looked at based on just population I bet you we do okay at the Olympics the difference is again, it's 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 the elephant in the room, which is the U.S., where people see guys like Michael Phelps make millions of dollars off endorsements. That's probably never going to happen with our athletes unless they're in, you know, one of those big sports where Donovan Bailey, for example, could win the 100-meter sprint. It's just not realistic. I, I I'd love to support them more. I think there's ways for them to support themselves, you know, through every little market, you know. Um, you know, a marathon runner like Eric Gillis, you know, he can go and, and do events where he shows up at marathons. I'm sure there's different ways. Are they going to live high on the horse and, you know, make millions of dollars? Probably not. I, I just, I, I guess I'm too ignorant to really comment on what their struggles would be.
1: Well, I, I mean, again, even the, even the guys or the women who are in the Own the Podium program are not living luxury lives. They're li- They've got enough money to live. And that's you know, and to and to train mostly full time. Mostly full time. And I, I look at this and I, I again when you look back at some Olympic moments, Scott, you say, Okay, you know what? When, when we win, when Penny Alexiac wins, everyone is buzzing about that. We there's thirty six million people in Canada, thirty-five million nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand have never met Penny Alexiac. We wouldn't, before the Olympics, if I ran over her in my car, I wouldn't have known who I'd run over. I wasn't mm-hmm. aiming for. Um, <laughs> but the reality is when she wins, it's fantastic. And we feel great about ourselves. And it's a huge boost for the country. And we say, that's priceless. I mean, I think there are commercials that say,
0: you know, yeah. MasterCard is priceless. Well, is it priceless? It's only priceless to us here in Canada. It's not priceless to anybody else anywhere else in the world. But
1: we're the ones, should we then be spending more money well, on Well,
0: that, that's the question. What, what is the purpose of of sending Olympic athletes in the first place. What what are we hoping to achieve as a nation? What does it mean to us to do this particular you know event? Um, what are we looking for? Are we looking for bragging rights across yes. the world? Is that what we're after? One of the things. Well, you know, if, if that's what you want, if that's as a society, yeah, we want to be able to kind of thumb our nose and say, hey, we got the best whatever, then you're going to have to pay the price to do that.
1: I mean, there's two but, things, I think, that we actually, that we do the Olympics for. One of them is kind of uncomfortable because it's got kind of a Third Reich Nazi kind of feel to it. And that is we want to send our athletes to show we're the best breed of people in the in the world. I, we don't like to say it like that, but the reality is that's a part of it. We want to show Canadians are the best.
0: But look at it this well, way. Even if, even if we go and... Um and, you know, Canadians finish second to to an American sprinter, for example. Do we say, or a Jamaican sprinter, yes. in particular, um, do we say, oh, yeah, uh, we're not as good as the Jamaican people are. No, we don't do that. No. We're not as good as the American people. No, no, those Yankees, you know. So it's all an illusory sort of thing. There's nothing real or tangible about it. We have bragging rights for a month maybe, and then it all fades into the background. It doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, we have to decide, is is that moment of glory important to us as a nation does does it do something to advance us as a country even within our own borders i mean does it help us as 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 people to be feel more canadian feel more connected to one another
2: but i I think that the point that people miss about what the olympics does do is it promotes a couple things it's supposed to promote peace and you know competing with other athletes on a on an international stage but it also promotes people to be
1: active that was the second point i was going to which make which is yeah so is, is a huge part of there's it. a fitness component
2: because yeah, that part is great but at the end of the day i'm not sure that penny alexiak whether she has funding from on the podium or not she's probably still going to be as great as she is she might be a little bit better but are we going to invest that money so that we can win a bronze medal? Are we going to invest it so we can win a gold? That's a whole different argument.
1: But do you think that when Penny Alexiak wins a gold medal, do you or anyone else? Does that inspire, especially in her case, young girls to try to get into the pool and say to their parents, I want to be a swimmer? And I think there uh, is a, a, an element that would. I believe it does. I sure. believe there would be an uh, element that would. I mean, you look that at the say, soccer team, women's soccer team, Absolutely. The women's hockey
0: team. I mean, those sports have blossomed because Absolutely. of the success mm-hmm. we've had. sure.
1: And so you do have a spin off that is beyond the emotional side of it, I think. I believe yep. that. If more people, if more young people especially, are involved in athletics, you, not to sound like the crotchety old guy who says, get off my lawn, but you have people who are not hanging out on the streets and doing nothing, and you have people who are healthier, and you have less drain on the medical and uh, the medical, so the health system, those are all positive things.
2: But h- how do you execute that plan then to where… Well, you can create these, you know, maybe the money is made where they have to give back through coaching or whatever, which is tough to do when you're training. However, but how do you make that a spin-off effect over four years, not just over, you know, the course of the three weeks of the Olympics?
1: I don't know if it still exists like this, but once upon a time, I had a family member of my father, uh, as, as it turns out, went to Royal Military College uh, years and years and years ago. And when he went... As I understand it, he had an option. He could either pay his way through university or he could go to university for free. And for every year of university, he had a year of service in the military that he would have to perform afterwards, that he would Mm -hmm. have to basically be... So I'm wondering, your idea, it's an interesting idea, and that is choose how much you need for funding from Canada, but for every... $10,000 $10,000 we give you, whatever, there is X number of hours that you are going to be working in your sport after you're done with people. Promoting with,
0: the sport. Promoting the
1: sport, coaching the sport, whatever it is. That, that may be a way to do it too. Or, or providing the facilities. Because as far
2: as I know, I'm guessing it's only in BC and Alberta where you could go and, well, Jesse Lumsden, Hamilton guy, had to move out there to, to get into the bobsled. But how do you create those situations where there's those facilities across the country? I think it's tough if you're trying to promote it uh, across the the larger spectrum.
0: And again, it comes down to what do we, how do we balance that against the other interests of society? How how does this rank in terms of, you know, what do we want to see? Do we want to see more social housing? Do we want to see better health care? Do we want to see you know uh, a million other improvements to to the structure of Canada? Where does this sporting sort of mentality rate in that that whole spectrum of things that we need to take care of as a nation and we have to decide how important is it to us really overall that determines I think how much money you actually throw into it
2: but that would be the argument towards more funding because it would make you a healthier nation you know I I would assume that there's um, facts and studies that if you're healthier, you're probably more inclined to be successful as an academic where you're able to... You know, there, there's a variety of spinoffs that you could sell more funding.
1: And the tricky part is you could put... And I'll use Penny Alexiac as an example again. You can put money towards her training, but there is no guarantee that when she gets to the Olympics, she's going to win. So yes, mm-hmm. while winning, probably has pushed a lot of girls towards the pool. Maybe some boys too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people towards the pool... You could put a lot of money into someone, and they don't win. They could be a great athlete. What was the name of the, um, uh, in Vancouver? She was uh, the world's leading skeleton racer. She was Canadian. She was the one who apologized. Melissa Hollingsworth. Thank you, Luke. Terrific athlete. Best in the world. Had one bad run at the biggest place, and as a result, didn't win. And you say, okay, we spent a lot of money preparing her through Own the Podium and other things to go and perform. And I'm not. I'm certainly not dumping on her. I mean, listen. Yeah. She had a little blip in the ride, and that was her medal. But you can't guarantee that you're going to have a payout. That's the point. You can't guarantee no. that if I put money into own the podium, one plus one equals two. I pay you. You win medal. Kids go in pool. No. That mm-hmm. doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't work like work. that. No. And, and it, you could pay nothing to someone. John Montgomery, also in the skeleton. You could pay nothing basically to someone, and he wins a medal and has the impact that...
2: Well, how much did Penny Alexiak really have? I have no I idea. Have no idea. My guess yeah. is that, that... She's 16, probably not that well, much not yet. Much, that right. investment would have come from her parents, which was probably a lot of money, Yes, swimming And is time. A, mm-hmm. you know, all sports are, are expensive, but I, I don't mind your idea of a possible student loan-like scenario where... We'll
1: give you what we'll you want. We'll give you the
2: money, but there's going to be a portion of that that's got to be paid back through different, uh, different avenues. Time or
1: cash. Yeah. Time or cash. If you, if you strike gold and you become the superstar who makes millions of dollars in endorsements later you can pay us back or you can pay us back in time
0: well to mm-hmm. a large extent most olympic athletes are doing that they mean, do. how, how they many do. events have you been out to where you
1: know oh i i'm not i'm not suggesting for a second scott that they are taking the money and running and th- they do
0: they give olympic a of athletes of do yeah.
1: a, give a lot of their time i i will say that absolutely they do it would just be more of a organized thing, I guess, to say, listen, we, we we can tell you, Scott, you you got this, we need you to be here today. We need you to do this today. No, they
0: do that already to a large extent. Yeah, it's I an, an expectation right. that's on them that if you're going to be part of this program, you're expected. To give back to it.
2: But if you, if you put a tangible value on giving them that money, maybe you could convince people to give them a little bit more yeah. because you know that it's coming back in, in in different fashions, whether it be cash payment or you know coaching, whatever it may be. That's a way to promote the opportunity to the politicians to give them that cash. The
1: other thing that I find really interesting is we as a country do not do much. We don't do a good job in the private sector. Of supporting amateur athletes until they win a gold medal, and even then, they're reluctant. It's they're reluctant, and it doesn't last very long. And I remember uh, London Paralympics. Summer Mortimer, who's an Ancaster swimmer, won four medals. Was the most decorated Canadian athlete of the Paralympics or Olympics? Two gold, a silver, and a bronze. Set world records. Came back here. I mean, I'm not. I don't want to sound too sexist, but. She A very attractive young lady, someone who could have been a face of your company, um, a talented, mm. successful, could not find one sponsor. sponsor. Not one. Not a single sponsor was available to her. And I know it wasn't the Olympics. I understand that. But you look and you go, surely. And, and I remember writing about it. Surely there's someone out there who can look at her and say she has some value to our company and it would... We'd pay for her training, or the money would help. She'd continue on, and we'd benefit from it. But we don't do a good job of that at all. Do we have a big enough market? We 30 have a, 33 million people. But we have a big enough market, Troy, to say, look, uh, you want a bronze medal. Come advertise for us. Do do a car commercial. Do something, and we'll throw a few thousand dollars at you, and you will represent our country company, and it'll help your
0: training. We, do, we just don't do that very well. Does we it have anything to do with the... Uh, American branch plant economy of Canada? Could be. be.
1: We're going to take a quick break. I I do want to point out um, a little confusion, Troy, apparently. Got an email from uh, from Frank who... uh, has mistaken you for Floyd Smith of the uh, Floyd n- Smith. 1962 <laughs> Hamilton Red Wings. This is Troy Smith, <laughs> former former coach of the Hamilton Red Wings. What's
2: new one, Floyd Todd. I've oh, yeah, got yeah, a few. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, the the Todd reference is uh, the first time I saw Troy. I accidentally called him Todd. I think I did it twice in yeah, a row. First, first three or four first, times. Yeah, but that's
2: um, all right. I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah. and
1: I wasn't the only one. I'm told.
2: Oh, no, there's there, there's many, but, you know, that's a whole... He must look a, like a Todd somehow.
1: Yeah. And I, now that you've mentioned it, I guarantee you I'm going to slip up before the show is over <laughs> and call you it again. That's all right, Steve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks. Quick quick break here on The Scott Radley Show. Back after this. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from
0: 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML.
1: There was, we got a few minutes left here on The Scott Radley Show with the brightest panel in Hamilton radio. Scott Urquhart, Troy Smith... Guys, you probably heard this story today, and I don't know what to make of this story because half of me thinks that the guy was doing, the, doing something, trying to do it nice, and it went wrong, and half of me thinks the guy was a jerk and being mean and got caught. North Carolina, guy playing Santa Claus, he's paid to be in a mall or wherever it is, and a plus-size nine-year-old comes and sits on his lap, asks for his presence, and Santa says, you be a good boy and lay off the burgers and fries. And, of course, this causes a viral... We talked about social media. This goes completely bonkers. Now, half of me thinks that Santa was... You know, you go to Santa, and Santa... If you're a kid, Santa tells you you better be good. You better... You know, all these kind of things. That Santa was saying something that maybe... He was a nice... He was an elderly gentleman who was doing this. Might have thought, I'm Santa is giving him good advice to help him be healthier. And half of me thinks he was just a crotchety old guy who said... Uh, my what? knee's tired. <laughs> What do you uh, think of that? Because he he's resigned now, and apparently he's had health problems in the day since this happened, and everything else. What do you think uh, of this?
2: I don't think a jolly old fat man should be giving <laughs> dietary <laughs> advice. Is what I think. Good point. Good point. <laughs> well, yeah, well put.
0: Well put. But yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, it could Are, we, been are just, we too sensitive? Is, uh, it could have been just like a, a thoughtless slip. You know, he yeah. maybe wasn't trying to do anything nice for the kid or anything. It just you know oops. popped out. Yeah, oops. That could happen to anybody. But yeah. I, it's unfortunate, that's for sure. It reminds me of the uh, the Friends episode where Ross ends up dancing with all of the young girls at the wedding, and they're all dancing on his feet, and then finally one comes along who's a plus-size girl, and he's reluctant to let her dance on his feet but yeah. you know things happen right uh,
2: maybe it goes back to the last segment there where is santa being a bully or is santa
1: just telling him the truth
0: or just being stupid
2: you know it's obviously something he regrets
1: saying i'm sure i'm sure i have no doubt but but again let me let me we only have a minute or so left but when kid when the kid comes back to mom or dad and says santa said this is the right answer for mum or dad to say santa you're fired or is the right answer to say, well, you know what, Santa had a long day and sometimes Santa, you know, says, like what, if you're the parent, leave aside Santa for a sec because I don't know what his motivation was, but if you're the parent, what's the right answer to say to the kid?
0: Oh, it would cut, it would cut me to the quick if my kid came back and, you know, be it Santa's the worst of all, but if my kid came back and said, you know, they said I'm fat, and it, oh, I mean, know you're fat. I may wish you were not fat, but to see you shattered or hurt in that way would kill So me. you would have taken
1: aim at Santa in this case?
0: Uh, maybe not as, uh, you know, aggressively, perhaps. But yeah, I probably would have, you know said something like yeah that was really insensitive because you know, you you know I kind of had this feel go, sorry go I, ahead talk. I,
2: I might have been <laughs> nice <laughs> I might have been more aggressive where I probably would have said something to Santa probably walked up and yeah. given him a piece of his mind about the cheeseburgers and, and things yeah, of that yeah, nature yeah. where hey on the way home make sure you don't hit the drive through but yeah.
1: lay off the cookies this, uh, yeah. this winter yeah. either of the two of you have a rumbling from this that perhaps a lawsuit is in the offing and where and department store Santa is going to be sued now because I I would be shocked. This happens in the states. In the states, it's going to no. In North Carolina, yeah. Yeah. I, I, have a feeling Santa's about to be sued for. uh, There's a lawyer
2: out there that's writing up some some paperwork right now. I'm sure.
1: I have no doubt about it. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred. AM nine
0: hundred CHML.